When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, uh, welcome to the next episode of the Tangent Podcast. Obviously, I'm joined by my friend Jakub, and we're going to start as a fantastic Challenger podcast. We're going to start with the US Open, where we had this draft pick game. Uh, this is where we check whether our counting skills are okay. <laughs> How many points do you think you got? So I believe that I got 43 points while you got 60. My counting is exactly the same, so it's probably you know ninety nine percent right. Uh, so who who disappointed you? Who was uh, who was a pleasant surprise? I mean, pleasant surprise for me obviously has to be Brandon Holt, the guy who, who I was left with, uh, who ended up dying for the most points along with with Uno Borges. Uh, Borges, obviously, I mean, what a, what a week he had uh, going toe to toe with two of the best guys that we've seen on the Challenger Tour on hard courts this summer in Ben Shelton and Yibing Wu going five sets with both winning one, losing one. But I was mightily impressed with Borges. But as for Holt, him pulling off that crazy win win over Taylor Fritz and then going two sets up, two dominant sets up on Pedro Cachin in the second round, uh, that was just completely out of nowhere. And we're going to be seeing a lot more of him as he has now rocketed up the rankings. He's, I think, on the, on the edge of the top 200. Uh, so he's going to be a guy that we see a lot more. Disappointment-wise, has to be, I think, Zhijian Zhang. Yeah. All those match points that he had in that third set uh, tiebreaker over Timon Reitoven. Uh, I, I, it, it haunts me, and I think that it will, it will haunt him as well because he had, you know, he he was amazing in that match for you know so long and just couldn't close it out. Yeah, and it really feels like that on his level that he had in the past month or so, he totally could have, I don't know if beaten, but played at least a very close match with Rude. And and yeah, and he just goes up two sets against Van Rijtoven and does this. Uh, as for my disappointments, I mean, I, I had quite a lot of zeros compared to you. But yeah. yeah, I don't think either of these guys was really a disappointment. Even who did exactly what I expected him to do. Um, Mute mm-hmm. did more. But that's also because of your pick, actually. I mean, your pick, the guy I left you with. Because if Holt didn't eliminate um, Fritz, then possibly Fritz would have defeated Mute in round three. That's uh, mm. that's what probably what I had in mind picking Mute, or maybe even Mute losing to uh, Van de Zanshoop, but in a very close match, or to Mahaj in a very close match in round two. So in a way, Holt also helped my pick as well. And obviously, Galan was the the big shocker, <laughs> eliminating Tsitsipas in round one. I was actually, I mean, I, w- I was left with Bagnis, Galan, and Holt as as the last three picks, and I had to choose two of them and leave one to Jakub. And yeah, I I chose Bagnis as my first pick and then I was stuck between Galan and Holt as it turns out I chose right but yeah they definitely didn't expect these two guys to uh, to give us as many points we also said that well basically at the US Open we're probably not going to get high scores and it turns out that we were completely off on that 
yeah, yeah. very high scoring obviously with, with Mute with Glan in the draw it didn't seem like it would be high scores but they these guys really came through uh, I was especially impressed with with Mute uh, battling past Van de Zanskoop and then Kachin and uh, you know taking a set of Casper Rude as well but yeah, I was comparing it with our, with the other ones that we did this year. You got 60 again. You, you also got 60 at Wimbledon, oh. which is very impressive there. I, I, I was absolutely murdered. I only got 18. So this time it was a little bit more competitive uh, where I got 43. I won the first two ones, which were more low scoring. Uh, AO was 37 to 27 and Roland Garo was 42 to 26. Uh, so, so we have split on the year. So... But yeah, good fun. I I do love doing this game. It's very it's very interesting to do. It's a very interesting thinking exercise of you know how will these challenger guys that we talk about mostly week in week out apply themselves in a you know in, on the biggest stage. That's true. And I learned that I also have to look more at the next rounds, like look at round two, round three, because sometimes you're just uh, you know picking the, a guy like Galan who's going to play Tsitsipas, but then you actually sort of have to realize that if he somehow beats him, then he's got a very good second round. Or yeah. Mutei, I was, when I picked Mutei, I was only thinking about him in uh, in the perspective of him playing against Wawrinka. I didn't even consider the fact that he also has a very winnable second round, and as it turns out, he even went to the fourth, but as I said, that's because of Holt. And also Nuno Borges with the, with the by qualifying and making the second round will debut in the top 100. It's not of official yet uh, because obviously the rankings during Grand Slams they're not released but ne but next Monday Nuno will debut in the top 100 as simply in the challengers this week there's only Gombosh I think who can pass him and he's at 93 in the live rankings so it, it is a done deal for him yeah yeah, so so impressive from from Borges uh, at, at the CS Open. I I can't stress it enough. That match with Shelton was insane. Uh, the the crowd was also insane for that match. Really pulling for for Ben, uh, and I was super impressed that he overcame that and then go five sets with with Yibing Wu. Uh, yeah, I mean, it feels like with this sort of versatility that that, that he has, clay and hard courts, he he could go top fifty probably. Yeah, I I was actually asked about uh, his ceiling by some Portuguese guy, I think, a couple of days ago. And this is what I said, that to me, he's got all the tools to be in the top 50, uh, be more successful than Gustavo Elias did, for example, and certainly for a longer time. Uh, yeah. And still, we, we've talked about it a couple of times this year, but we've he certainly hasn't really felt like he's played his best for the most part, especially in the qualifying for the US Open mm -hmm. uh, in a couple of events uh, before that. Then he suddenly improved a lot for the main draw. Uh, but he's he's really, you know, he really has that ability to, to win while not playing his best. And it's probably one of the most important things in this sport. Uh, yeah. And anyhow, we also there's also been a few retirements. Uh, we're actually not sure if that's all of them because honestly, during the US Open, it's pretty hard to track them, especially when uh, anytime you type in retirement into Google or Twitter, it's just Serena Williams, Serena Williams, Serena Williams. Uh, but I think we have three guys we'd like to give a brief mention to. Uh, yeah, let's let's start with the singles guy in Sam Query. Um, he, 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 he retired. It's been sort of, it, it, it's felt like he was coming, uh, these, these past two seasons at least, but obviously he will always be remembered for that 2017 semifinal run at Wimbledon. 
Uh, I got to watch him a couple of times in person. I, I, I was a, a ball boy at one of his matches uh, in Delray Beach. Um, so, yeah, it sort of feels weird to to have this player retire. But, yeah, how will you remember him? Yeah, the last few seasons, it's mostly been grass courts only. And this year, he even struggled there. Uh, mm. I feel like a lot of people just automatically... like th There's a lot of hate regarding players like Isner on the internet right now, mostly for political reasons, which is pretty stupid to me, but th that's not really the point. But I feel like Query was often... Uh, just sort of <laughs> combined with with other uh, right wing, um, like with with right wing American tennis players into one, uh, just one group, and while well, he was a very nice guy. Uh, off court and and on court, uh, which which I don't feel feel like a lot of people uh, realize. Uh, as he said, some some fantastic results, wins over Djokovic in uh, obviously at Wimbledon, but also in Paris. That one where he uh, where he lost the first set zero six and, and then beat Novak. That's also one that that really stuck with me. Uh, and yeah, super uh, a, a pretty fun player, I'd say, when he was actually you know in the in the peak of his abilities because. Even if maybe he was very serve oriented, uh, then then uh, you know the baseline game was definitely cool enough when when he was playing well to to to, to be well to be entertaining to watch. I don't think I have any uh, like life uh, real life memories with some query. I can't remember I'm seeing him live. I don't think I did, but it's very cool. <laughs> but it's definitely very cool that you got to umpire. I mean, umpire, uh, ball boy at his, uh, <laughs> at his match. Umpire, yeah. Um, yeah, no, he, he had this very specific thing where he would, like, usually the players would just, like, tap the extra ball back. You know, mm -hmm. you, you give them three yeah. balls, they, they take two, they tap a ball back. He would always, like, turn around and, like, actually hit it at me. Mm -hmm. um, which I never really understood that uh, or why he did that, but it was certainly it, it's it's stuck in my mind over the years. Uh, it was just very bizarre, but yeah, certainly like a much more watchable player than the likes of John Isner, for example. Yeah, uh, even though he was often sort of grouped into the same uh, American serve bot sort uh, sort of sort of area, but I I feel like he was a much more entertaining player than that. Yeah, for sure. And we also have the retirements of two doubles guys. I think we can start with the the first. So, uh, well, the, the one who, well, arguably, well, not arguably, <laughs> had more success on the tour, Bruno Soares. Uh, when yeah. it comes to, huh? Yeah. Yeah. No, so, sorry, I, I was just saying that, that, that it's so bizarre that I had no idea that Bruno Soares was retiring, but I knew that Nick Monroe was retiring with the other guy. <laughs> I think Suarez uh, only announced it after they lost and Monroe, uh -huh. it was like a week ahead of time or maybe even more. So I think that's why I think Suarez was only like made the news 15 hours ago or something like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That that makes a lot more sense now because I feel like I, I must have seen like, like, I, like I would have seen that had he announced it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame. He's, he's still sort of, you know, not, quite at the top obviously not at the top of his abilities like he was in you know i don't know 2016 or 2017 uh when he was that sort of really truly elite doubles player but uh it's a shame obviously he is 40 years old so it makes a lot of sense uh to retire at that sort of age uh but i feel like he he certainly had like a lot he he had something left if if he wanted to continue playing yeah oh yeah absolutely 
Um, I'm just checking how many 200 titles he wants <laughs> as, as we're on the 200 podcast after mm-hmm. all. And he had 10, uh, 11, 12, 12, I believe. So quite a lot. Uh, obviously, all in the early days, uh, some with Andre Sa, Santiago Gonzalez, Bellucci. I think his last one was in 2008. Uh, from then on, he was on a main tour player only and mm. yeah uh i think he'll always be most remembered for these years when he played with jamie murray even though yeah. they i i think uh, he probably played for a longer period with uh paya but you know the, the the years he had with murray was were definitely the most successful even though he actually won a grand slam with mate pavic as well which yeah. i honestly wouldn't really remember if you if you asked me but that duo with with murray two slams in 2016 is definitely what uh what we're going to remember about Bruno Soares only got to well only got to world number two in doubles which is a bit of a shame because uh, I, I think there were moments when he when he was very close but it was just like one result separating him from that or something they definitely yeah. finished uh, at number one with Mare in 2016 in the in the doubles race Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I completely forgot about that. I, it was two slam finals that he had with with Mate Pavic, completely yeah. in my mind. But I did like that he sort of this last year has been playing more with, with, with Jamie Murray, and they sort of tried it again. But at at some point, it just isn't the, the quite the same, especially when it's you know five six years later, um, and, and and you're now forty years old. But yeah, very impressive career from Bru- uh, Bruno Suarez. Yeah, and the, the third guy we have is Nick Monroe, who got to ATP 27 in doubles. Uh, when it comes to challenger titles, he had, I believe, something along these lines as well. Uh, and that would be exactly 13 uh, challenger doubles titles. So similarly to Suarez, obviously throughout his career, he played on the challenger tour uh, a bit more. And, uh, well, his last one was in 2018 in Houston, but he also amassed for main tour titles. Uh, out of these three guys, Monroe was the, the only one I saw live. Uh, I got to watch him in Ostrava this year, where he played a terrible match with Romboli, losing to Fairness and Peniston. Uh, that was a bit of a downer, really, because... Uh, <laughs> If maybe he's somehow listening to this, but I don't think so. But just like uh, a week or two before Ostrava, Nick Monroe followed me on Twitter and I was like, oh, he's in Ostrava. Uh, that's that's fun. I have to watch him live now because, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Why not? And then I, uh, yeah, then I then I went to their, their match with Romboli and it was just, Jesus, obviously not really relevant in the grand scheme of things and how Monroe played throughout his career. But yeah, the, the one match I got to watch of him uh, in person was definitely not a great choice. Yeah, uh, Monroe certainly more of a of a challenger guy uh, than 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 uh, Query and Suarez. Uh, what I will always remember him for is his um, 2015 Den Bosch qualifying run, where he Ooh. beat Hyun Chung in straight sets in the first qualifying run. Hyun Chung at, at that point was top 80, uh, and then then he lost in the second round to uh, Aisam Ulhak Kureshi. Oh. Uh, that that has always stuck in my mind that Nick Monroe beat Chung and then lost to another doubles guy in the in the second round. <laughs> oh, and that was actually a three round qualies event, so so it wasn't yeah. even the final round. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
had no idea obviously about it but yeah nick monroe over here on chunk that that must have been something back in the day and by the way here on chunk should be returning to the challenger circuit soon yeah uh, th- this is also a bit of a f- like a fresh news fresh news story where uh chang wants to get a doubles wildcard to an atp 250 in south korea with sun Won and then return in busan which i think uh i think busan is in the middle of october i think it's the same if, uh, week as vilnius uh so so yeah october 17th uh so it looks like in uh, a month and a half we're going to see on chang on the challenger tour again yeah, that's going to be uh, insane. Uh, <laughs> after all this time seeing him back, uh, it's you know, so, so, so sort of some parallels with 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 Kyle Edmund, who also made his return uh, this this uh, you know summer autumn period. Yeah, because it, it's been a similar uh, time, right? Like I think the French Open two thousand twenty was probably his Chang's last appearance. So, uh, so yeah, it's it, it's going to be more than two years by the time we reach Busan. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember when I saw Nick Monroe live. I was just looking through his past tournaments. Um, and I'm almost certain that it was in Bratislava 2014 when he played with Johan Brunström and they lost to Gombos and Pavlasek uh, in straight sets in the first round. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I just wanted to quickly <laughs> throw that in there because I'm certain that I have seen him in person before, uh, but I just couldn't quite remember where. Yeah, and I guess that will be it for this very long introduction. We can actually get to the Challenger events right now. Where are we starting? Because we had three Challenger 80s this week. We have to start, I think, in Mallorca, the the most recent final that we have. And what a final it was. Three hours and seven minutes. uh, And Luca Nardi leaves Mallorca, the champion, beating Zizubergs 7-6-3-6-7-5. Uh, his third challenger title in his third final, so he had to lose the final. This one was was obviously more impressive of a of a win than his previous two, which were I think uh, uh, Riedi and was it Mukund? Sassi yeah, Kumar Mukund. Yeah. Yeah, on this run, uh, it was a lot of three setters for for Luka Nardi, uh, beating Deong, Celik Bilek, Janovic in the quarterfinals, and Lazarov uh, in the semis. Up 33 spots, number 142, breaking the top 150. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Luka Nardi? Did you expect him to, to make her run here? Yeah, I mean, I, I I think I was looking at him as a potential prospect, as a potential you know player to win the title. Uh, I think he played a bit more defensively than usual throughout the week. Uh, an Italian guy who seems to know a lot about Nardi on Twitter was trying to, uh, like, was telling was telling me that it might be because of uh, COVID that he had in the spring that he feels like since then Nardi hasn't had that sort of power and explosiveness. I don't know if that's uh, well. Uh, I have no idea if that's actually correct. I think m- some of that might have just been the fact that he played on clay, where his strokes don't really have that that same pop. Uh, but that's definitely true that this week he he wasn't explosive. But he, for a player who actually likes to attack, I was very surprised to see how how well he was just turning defense into offense and winning all these points with guys like Bergs at the net, Janovic being uh, for in, in you know in, at least in some parts of the the. Uh, their encounter being very, very aggressive and also moving forward. Uh, so that was that was a bit of a shocker. I feel like he didn't do that much in the final. <laughs> Honestly, he sort of just tried to play solid tennis and didn't impose himself on, on Berks almost at all. Uh, 
but it turned out to be to be the right call as as Zizou missed a few a few chances too many and also well broke down physically by the by the time they reached like the the end the last games of the third. Yeah, he he definitely outlasted him physically. That last game was not pretty from, from yeah. Zubac. He had a, a failed attempt at an uh, <laughs> under 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 uh, underarm serve, um, and then yeah, I mean he 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 did look interesting in that one point where he sort of served and volleyed after after a very weak serve, and I, I think it was fifteen thirty on on uh, in that last game. Uh, but ultimately, just just couldn't couldn't make it to the finish line. But yeah, Zizou Bergs was your pick, as you will come to find out. Uh, we have we we had, we had three of the finalists, and all of them losing, so we didn't get any points uh, in our in our predictions. But we certainly came close. But yeah, Zizou Bergs came very close in this final as well. Uh, this week he beat Rincon, Furness, Clark, and Shelby, who we'll definitely talk about later. Not dropping a single set coming into the final. Still, he moves up 22 spots to number 132. Uh, but yeah, where do you think it all went wrong for Zizou Bergs in the final here? Allowing that opening set, you know, from 5-4, 40-15 on serve, that was really something that he shouldn't have done. And Nardi was giving him a lot of freedom. Like, Bergs could play, it, play the match exactly as he wanted, but it seems like the physical issues weren't, like... Uh, they weren't only from uh, just exhaustion. Uh, I saw his dad on Twitter talking a bit about some stomach issues, and then after the match, uh, a doctor had to uh, well, he had to take care of Zizu. He gave him an injection for overheating. So there's been some uh, you know some weird stuff there. So at, at least in in parts, he's ex- it's explainable. But well, at five five, he's in the third. He still had to. Uh, breakpoints, right? And he missed two completely makeable returns. So, uh, a, a, a bit of a change compared to the previous finals that Berg's played because he was usually, he was usually super clutch, especially in that Ilkley final against Song this year. Yeah, certainly a shame. I mean, I'm 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 a little bit happy that he didn't come out on top because I would have been very frustrated if two of my finalists lost. But uh, yours is what yours is the one who came out on uh, top. But yeah, as I as I teased a little bit earlier, Abedala Shelby from Jordan, 18 years old, making the semifinals here, beating my pick for the title, Dominic Sticker, in the first round, uh, before getting a retirement from Menendez Maceiras, also beating Popko on his challenger debut. Mightily, mightily impressive. Uh, yeah, what did you think of him this week? Where do you think the ceiling is? All of that good stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know where the ceiling is because there's not much power and it's always a bit hard to tell, I feel like, in these cases. But, well, college should help him a lot. Uh, until recently, he was Ben Shelton's teammate and he's not anymore, not because Shelby is changing teams, but because Shelton is not going to college anymore. Uh, well, he, I think he's only been there one year. He's 18, year, 18 years of age, of course. He's been training at the Rafa Nadal Academy since 2000. Uh, well, since he was 14, I don't want to <laughs> count uh, right now because I'm scared that uh, I, I wouldn't do it right. Anyhow, a uh, very good court sense, just uh, the you know tennis IQ. He had a lot of these crazy uh, lobs against Stricker. Uh, very fun, very fun to watch. Uh, you gotta wonder if if the power, well, lacking power, will allow him for anything big in this sport. But 
maybe at 18 years of age, it's not really time to worry about that yet, especially with his college career. He won a couple of 15Ks in the summer as well. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that. Uh, we, we, we definitely didn't expect Shelby to turn out to be this good because I, I haven't seen them in, in these ITFs. I doubt they were streamed. I don't think so. But anyhow, there weren't really any, uh, any impressive wins, really. I think he beat Rincon via retirement or, some, or something like that. I think he beat Mansuri in the, yeah, yeah, in the yeah, final, I'm, right? I'm, that, 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 that was like, yeah, that was yeah. like the only one he had this year. Uh, where where you could probably tell that 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 there was something about this guy, but this was something completely else. And yeah, super excited to watch him. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get more chances this year. Uh, maybe not. We'll see when he when he goes to the University of Florida again. Uh, but certainly someone to watch out for every summer uh, since <laughs> every summer from now on. And hopefully he's also going to get more wildcards to the Mallorca Challenger since uh, I don't think he's going to leave the, the Rafa Nadal Academy anytime soon either. Yeah, I mean, he has certainly uh, earned them going forward with, with, with this run. Yeah. Um, the other semifinalist, a little bit less heralded, I think, uh, Alexander Lazaro, <laughs> semifinals as a qualifier, beating Strombax, Barroso Campos, Medvedovic, Vukic, and Kukushkin to make his first career challenger semifinal. Uh, yeah, where do you think this run came from, from Lazaro? Yeah, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. He was the weakest semifinalist by a country mile. <laughs> Still a, a few stellar wins for him. Vukic, even though he hasn't been playing Kukushkin at this stage of his career, it's not really something that Lazarov has been doing <laughs> throughout his career. Uh, he was just mostly super solid. And, and I think that that really got him pretty far. And even took the opening set against Nardi. Even, even if I, I mean, if I remember correctly, I think Nardi had a big lead there and, and wasted it as well. Yeah, I and mean, it would be amiss to not talk about yeah. Gergi Janovic making the quarterfinals here, beating Ofner and Peniston in straight sets. His best result since February 2020, the, the Pau final run. Uh, also uh, took a set of Luca Nardi in the quarterfinals. Yeah, just how encouraging was this run from Janovic? Very encouraging, and I hope we see him a lot more on hard courts, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, it's actually a bit of a misconception to me that he cannot play on clay, but at this stage of his career with the physical, well, with the fitness still not being there fully, uh, I don't really trust him on, on clay at all. So no, no expectations coming into Seville or Stettin if he gets to play it. Uh, but uh, yeah, Ofner Peniston, probably his best two matches in 2020. I haven't watched them all because I wasn't able to attend Wrocław uh, for Bytom, the 15 case. Uh, but I, assuming that uh, that they weren't played at a similar level, uh, I don't think so. At least uh, just was very comfortable against Pennystone and and Ofner. He was just returning the serve very well. Uh, I thought he had a great chance to win this whole thing, and he he didn't. He was actually well, well against Nardi. It was just another one of these matches this year where he. I, I think if he won it, it would have been amazing for him mentally because not everything was working properly, or even most things in his game weren't working properly. Uh, the serve certainly wasn't like the the spot serving wasn't uh, there. He was mostly just blasting it in the at the middle. And it just didn't give him that much. And of course, the movement uh, just, uh, yeah, definitely not comparable to the to the first two rounds. 
so at some point he needs to earn a win like that if if this comeback is going to pan out so far he hasn't been able to but it's still some some valuable points and he yeah as we as we talked about a couple of weeks ago he's not going to play any itf events uh he just wants to play challengers and if it doesn't work then it doesn't work so he basically needs to get his ranking to like a Know, 400 500 before the all the tournaments stop giving him wild cards <laughs> yeah absolutely I, I feel like this is huge for him going into the going into the autumn uh because these are real challenger wins his really yeah. first real challenger wins of the year he, he did be save sabosh build in in uh Kozelki, but that's not a real uh challenger win at this point so <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, I, I, I totally agree i'm just laughing yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so now, if you're, I feel like if you're like a tournament organizer with with an indoor event, you're looking at Yanovich thinking, oh, he can he can be interesting in this draw. Uh, he's he's winning matches. He, he he can be, you know, he he can have multiple matches at my event, as opposed to just a, a first round exit. And some people go to watch him because of his name. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see how many wild cards he gets going going into the autumn. But I hope that we get to see him. Uh, quite often yeah yeah i think that's a very good point uh, i totally forgot about it but i was also thinking that like a couple of days ago that if uh well if if a guy keeps losing to i don't know yfcaf uh Ayupovic, and he looks like he just doesn't have anything left in the tank whenever you know, the second set starts then why am i going to give him a wild card yeah after seeing this i think some of the organizers should be should be more uh, excited to to have him at this event yeah yeah, uh, and in the doubles, Bambri and Mineni uh, took their fifth challenger title of the season, number four in the race. They beat Gengel and Rosol in the final. I think we can move on to Como, where I had uh, Francesco Passaro was was my pick here, but he lost to Cedric Mazo Stebe, which was a pretty big surprise for me in this final. Stebe winning 7-6, 6-4, his eighth challenger title, if we don't count the challenger finals in 2011, uh, which which he also won the, the, the first ever. But this was his first title since November 2020. Uh, his run comparably quite easier uh, than, than Basaros to get to the final, beating Basic, Gerg, Deschep, and, and get a re- getting a retirement from Arnaldi. But uh, he was at 54 spots, number 179, uh, back in the top 200 for the first time since November 2021. Yeah, what did you think of Stebe? Totally out of nowhere, that's for sure. Uh, I was actually quite surprised to learn that he had three challenger semis at the beginning of the season, but they were all indoors. And in the clay season, he just did a big fat nothing. Also, some very weird scheduling, which is a point that I'm going to go to a bit later, but well, maybe no. Actually, his is maybe not that weird. Never mind. I- I'm going to return to this in another event. But anyhow, uh, I felt like his run was totally random, especially with Arnaldi retiring in the semifinals. But I have to say that the performance in the final was actually quote, class. He, and... he, he looked good in the final. That, that, that was the, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I was going to celebrate the Passaro point uh, with, with the people that he had overcome look, looking at Stebe's run, but Stebe really showed up for this final. Yeah, and I I totally was already like sure that you were getting this point. I and honestly, I was sort of certain that I was getting Berks as well. Uh, Jessica, I, I I didn't think you were getting honestly, but Passaro was like the main 
uh well but passara was seemed like a lock to win this that's for sure and uh step just i don't know he, he he's rock solid he moves very well sort does nothing too impressive but i think he has um well i think he makes a lot of use of his leftiness as well like the the high balls constantly sent to passaro's backhands were just a nightmare to hit through and it panned out and definitely has his best performance in a long while <laughs> Yeah, as for Passaro, this was his fifth challenger final uh, all this season, all since April, really, in these past uh, less than five months, uh, which is super impressive. On his run, he beat Moreno de Alboran, Jumhur, Gigante, and Klein. Uh, he moves up 22 spots to number 124 in the rankings, 96 points away from top 100. So it feels like with you know how little he has to defend o- over the coming periods, maybe he can really push for it. Um, yeah, this was the f- sort of first easier opponent that he has had in the final. Um, but yeah, he has, he has now lost four out of five finals, which is quite tough for him. What did you think of him this week? Uh, I feel like this week was more about uh, the grinding than about the power, which maybe already shows us that he's gonna, you know, have that shot selection uh, coming through for him, uh, which he's been sort of missing from his reper- repertoire for sure. Uh, I was most of the week I was just surprised at my stupidity that I didn't pick him <laughs> and well it, it didn't uh, as it turns out I uh, well uh, it should have been beaten me in the ass but it didn't uh, but certainly another very very exciting week I think he would have been very close to the top 100 if if he if he got the final like 70 points now he's about 90 90 something yeah. so yeah still very much expecting him to get there before the end of the season I think because obviously he's not defending much currently number 107 in the ATP race yeah, su- super impressive season. Uh, I'm curious to see sort of how it trans how, how it changes, transforms into you know indoor hard as as, as we move into that yeah. period. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. Um, that 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 probably won't be great with the serve. I I feel like he he has a great chance of you know doing uh, getting more points in the next few weeks, but uh, indoor indoors could be tough. Uh, he also has a very great, a very big chance to make uh, next gen finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, well, he's got one sixty points deficit to Chunsin Seng, who's eighth. But I'm assuming that Alcaraz won't play it. It's possible that Sinner won't play it, even if he doesn't qualify for the ATP finals. He might feel like he's just, you know, sort of too old, too established for this. So yeah, Passaro, if he if he gets a few more good results, then he can certainly make it. And and of course for him, it's the you know it's his last possible year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, are, are 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 they still doing the Italian wildcard at the next gen finals, or, or did they? Uh, well, yeah. I think the Italian wildcard is only in place if uh, an Italian isn't there already. Okay. I, mm-hmm. I think because that's literally what happened, right? In 2017, it was Caruana, no Italians in the field, uh, or the other way around. 2017, it was Quincy, 2018, it was Caruana. And then in 2019, uh, well, they, they had Sinner as the wild card, but he would have been 
uh, in regardless. He was actually mm-hmm. the next guy. And then in 2021, they had Musetti and there was no wildcard. So that's why yeah. I'm assuming that, uh, well, Musetti will probably be there un- unless he also declines, but I don't think so. And even if then, then Passaro or Nardi could certainly get in. So I think, yeah, I think there's probably not going to be a wildcard, but we'll see. I, I, I wasn't able to find any, you know, find it written anywhere or anything. Yeah, I I feel like we're we're likely to see Alcaraz and Sinner not show up. Uh, Jack Draper will will see how his uh, injury situation pans out for the rest of the season. So I feel like we're very likely to see Passaro, possibly also also Nardi, uh, who's you know seventy points behind him. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's going to be an interesting lineup. Ben Shelton is is in fourteenth. So as he if he you know somehow makes a late push for it, we could also see him there, which would be very fun. Um, but yes, back to Como. Uh, let's talk about our semifinalist. Lukas Klein made the semifinals here. Uh, impressive run, beating Ferrari, uh, then Cepieri in a third set tiebreaker. Three match points saved against Cepieri. Then coming back from a set down against Bonadio. Third semifinal of the season. What did you think of Lukas Klein here? Yeah, very fine week. But honestly, I, I've been a bit disappointed with him since Troisdorf. Like he just, mm. He's just not looking as a like a top 100 player anymore uh there's very (laughs) very little consistency and yeah and especially in that final against passaro he's got a decent serve he goes to the net but the execution of it is just so all over the place and he just had no chance in something like this and i feel like he needs to at least hang with players like that to you know get runs like in Troisdorf, like in Prosteov, like like here consistently. He's actually playing qualifying in Tuln, which is pretty wild, and beat Lukas Kreiner in two tie breaks today. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 there was a sort of one one week where, where he sort of dropped to like three hundred ish, but he's now bounced back up to two fifty, uh, that sort of range. But I feel like just confidence wise, this will be a, a good week for him. Uh, he came into uh, it with four straight losses, I think. Uh, Tabur and Pechi Perikar Shevchenko and Andukar going all the way back to to the Yashi Challenger. Um, so I feel like just just to get these wins, especially over over Zepieri, over Bonadio, uh, it's going to help him going forward. And the other semifinalist was Matteo Arnaldi, uh, who began uh, by getting a retirement from Sachko, then beating Oradini and Fatih before retiring himself uh, against Stebe. Fourth challenger semifinal of the season. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Arnaldi here? Yeah, didn't have anything left for the semis, but just another very solid run. I think he's defending, especially on, on multiple occasions, saved him uh, against uh, Oradini and against uh, Fatih. Perhaps not the best challenger players <laughs> but still i mean uh yeah still still had to be very sharp to get through them we also had Kenides Keper making the quarterfinals in Como as a lucky loser uh beating Martin Cuevas before losing to Andreev then getting retirement from Genesi and beating Kopil. Uh, yeah, did, did, did you watch Kenny at, at, at any point this week? And uh, yeah, is, isn't it fun to still have him around? I don't think I did, but it's certainly super fun to actually have him on tour still. King Kenny winning matches is uh, is always a win. 
it's pretty wild that he was a top 100 player at this point at some point honestly <laughs> you don't really see it when you watch him right now but i mean it, it, it's uh true for most 35 year olds playing tennis we, our expectations are just sometimes a bit skewed because of the guys like verdasco or you know the big free of <laughs> no i mean but i i'll never forget i was you know 11 years old in bratislava and all of us like like 10 of us ball boys came to watch his practice just to watch him serve and it's just such mm. a beautiful serve uh you know godlike really uh so yeah that'll wow. be free forever I, I mean at least back like back in the day it was probably more more efficient than it is now still um but yes let's go on to the doubles where we had edler midler winning the title only their third challenger title this season not dropping a single set on this run number five in the challenger race beating brown and lentz uh for brown uh his third final this season with a third partner after vavasori and evan king uh and for julian lentz his first uh challenger final and double since october 2020 in lima and i think we can go on to toulouse uh, the last challenger AT that we had this week. And we had blast from the past qualifier Kimer Kopeyans winning the title after three hours over Maxime Janvier, 6-7-6-4-6-3. Kopeyans' uh, sixth challenger title. First one since September 2018 in Sevilla. He, as I said, started in qualifying, beating Toledo and Lamassine. Uh, he had this sort of weird pattern of either yeah. into a, a very tough match, uh, you know, going six four in the third with Lamassine, uh, I, th- I think six four in the third as well with Marojan, uh, then double bailing uh, Raymond and just sort of ripping through those guys, Raymond, Vanash, uh, six love six one with Wessels, and then having this absolute three hour battle against Janvier in the final. Up 82 spots, number 210. Yeah, what did you think of Kimi? Yeah, I think both guys really needed this final. Uh, that they, they were struggling for a while, but someone had to lose. Pun totally intended. And, well, I, I don't think it's that weird that he had this pattern because honestly, Maroshan was just so much stronger than the next three opponents that Kopeyans. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had we had this very weird um, situation here in Toulouse where uh, basically in the semifinals there were two. Well, as I, as I see it right now, the, the bookies actually preferred Janvier over Droguet, but honestly, it's quite wild to me. Like, Copéan said Janvier just felt like so much stronger than the other two semifinalists. And I think they showed it in the in the semis. So Copéan's just, yeah, probably had his toughest, toughest match in the opening round outside of the final, of course. Uh, Janvier... Other than the serve, he didn't really do that, have that much to hurt him with, honestly. Like, whenever the, I guess it was to be expected, but whenever the point got anyway neutral, the Copeans was just moving him around, making that footwork look, look terrible. And, uh, you know, using that, he, he actually likes dictating. He, he was using that forehand very well. So, uh, definitely a, a very nice, a very nice win for him. He lost that, uh, Oirash final to Uchida 
where he probably felt like you know that this was a chance he he should have gotten uh so the, the after after a long long struggle also a lot of injuries i feel like it's it's great that kimer got uh, a challenger title after four years actually Sevi 2018 was his last one uh he mm-hmm. was still 24 back then which is which is quite wild <laughs> to to think about it now because he was probably perceived as you know a completely different uh like potential uh scale you know the scale of potential that people saw in him was probably completely different because of the age and now everyone is just sort of expecting him to be you know probably a decent challenger player which i feel like with without injuries he can certainly do and he's already like almost in the top 200 yeah he, he's right on the edge there uh, and he gets to play sevilla next week uh so we'll see if he makes it, yeah. you know <laughs> two in a row uh <laughs> go back to back you know ro- roll back the years to 2018 uh but yeah as for janvier his fourth challenger final uh he's one and three in those finals his first one since january 20 kimper uh on his run he beat lama mager fields and drogue uh and this was an absolutely key run for for janvier up 51 spots number 292 even with this run he's still 16 and 30 on the season uh which is just illustrates how horrible he was to start the year he was literally winless until mexico city in april and he was he was playing all all through there <laughs> all that time and just losing matches week in week out even after that struggled in Lyon, lost to Vatutin twice. Uh, so this really sort of came out of nowhere for me. Um, but yeah, what did you think of Janvier this week? Yeah, and this is where I talk about the scheduling because he's just been, you know, how do you even have 30 losses at this point of the year? He's just been playing almost every yeah. week and playing in some absurd places. If you if you check back to February, January, February, he uh, was uh, in Quimper, went to Cordoba for a week and then was back in Cherbourg. Then again in March, he was, uh, well, he went to Monterey for one event, for example. That's just idiotic. Uh, again, March, April, Sandbrier went to Mexico City, back in Barcelona. Then Barcelona, Buenos Aires, back in Aix-en-Provence. It's just absurd. And even recently, he, he keeps doing this. He is in Pozo Blanco, goes for one week to Los Cabos, by the way, losing to Nick Chappell on, on hearts, Jesus. And then he's back in San Marino. Uh, he plays Grozik, Mazowiecki, Kozerki, or, or whatever you want to call it, then goes to Granby, and then he's back in Toulouse. And clearly, he's got a lot of money. <laughs> otherwise, he wouldn't be able to afford this. It's, it's just incredible. It can't be really giving him any uh, benefits, you know. Even even if you're not really looking at the money, then just uh, you know, just, just jet lag and how you would probably fare better if you had a couple of events in uh, on a certain continent. Even I'm not even talking about the country. It's it's just super weird. Obviously, he's a much better player than his ranking of 343. And uh, he's shown that this week, that's for sure. Uh, the win against Fuse, I felt like, was pretty pivotal. That that to me felt like uh, maybe that, that was a very impressive win for me because mm-hmm. Phil was was playing quite well for those first two sets. Yeah, uh, but then he dropped off in the on the third. I feel like he just looked at uh, Goncalo Oliveira's season last <laughs> year and said, oh, "What give me that?" But even more psychotic scheduling where I just go everywhere uh, all the time. But yeah, I mean, Goncalo Oliveira obviously has dropped off now in the ranking, so we don't really see him anymore. Uh, 22-34 uh, last season, so I feel like Janvier will certainly 
overcome that record in in both losses and wins. Well, maybe not the wins, but certainly yeah, Oliveira is not really playing as much as he was in the past. But between 2015 and 2019, he had over 40 losses each each season. Yeah. And at the same time, playing pretty much the same in doubles. And uh, but but in 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 Oliveira's case, he's actually like uh, it, it's uh, it's certain that he doesn't care about money. His father owns like a huge hotel in Portugal, and, really? and yeah, he's I, just I, he's I, just not playing bad. for money at all. Mm-hmm. Um, some player I I can't remember, but someone told me about a player who was there, like visited Oliveira there. I can't remember who it was, but he said it was just you know incredible. Uh, but but yeah, uh, Oliveira sort of stopped doing that. Uh, I think he also gave up on his doubles career recently, didn't he? Like he he announced that he was going to play focus on singles from now on. That's a really, a really bizarre decision uh, because like doubles is where he actually has the ranking. Uh, and, you I don't know, know. Maybe maybe. Yeah, it looks like he was bugged this week uh, on the ITF tour, but I don't know. Uh, but there was something about it. Uh, Oliveira certainly said some, uh, some, you know, ha- had some uh, new ideas about uh, how to lead his career. Uh, anyhow, that's that's not really the point. Uh, yeah, uh, Janvier, uh, super solid week for him. And I feel like in the past couple of events, he's actually been on a bit of an upward trajectory. Definitely Braunschweig. Uh, when he beat Galan and Fils as well. Uh, definitely he played very well against Rank in Kozerki. So uh, not too surprised to see this run. And yeah, as you said, he really needed it. Yeah, and let's talk about our semi-finalists, uh, which is, as you said, you know, were perceived as yeah. kind of weak. Do he uh, needs to? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I could just sort of mention them. Both, both uh, first-timers here, uh, Tito Androgué, uh, beating Diaz Acosta, Sanchez Izquierdo, and Ferreira Silva. Uh, Louis Vessels beating Nicolas Hassan and Trunjete, who actually I, I felt like might have been a contender here at that point in the quarterfinals. Uh, but yeah, any, any thoughts on, on Droge or, or Vessels? Yeah, Droge was coming off a 25k title, actually. So uh, definitely the more impressive of the two. I think he was also serving pretty well throughout. Uh, Trujaliti, whom you mentioned, I he was my pick for the title, and uh, yeah, I I was expecting more, that's for sure. Losing to vessels like that, he also won more points in every set. Uh, Trujaliti, I mean, so that's that's a pretty crazy match to lose as well. And yeah, vessels was just totally exposed in the in the semifinals. They both, you know, are sort of bland and don't really have that much for for challenger level it feels like there was definitely a big discrepancy in talent level between the two semifinalists that won their matches and the ones that lost maybe maybe in droga's case it was much lower actually uh yeah and as as for my pick it was uh alexander muller who lost uh in the first round three and one i'm trying i'm struggling to remember who he lost to he lost to hassan, Benjamin hassan yeah uh yeah w- w- one and three not three and one but uh yeah not not the best <laughs> uh pick that, that that you'll see um but in the doubles, we had Janvier actually winning his first uh, challenger doubles title alongside Malik Jaziri. So he was on for the double uh, going into uh, going into Sunday. They beat Aribaj and Drogué um, in the in the final. And we can move on to Non Taburi, 
the 50 that we had, Artur Kazo winning the title over my pick, Omar Jassica, 7-6-6-4. Uh, his first challenger title, uh, his first challenger final, semi-final, all of it was uh, new to him. Um, and he, as I said, began in qualifying Kazo, beating Jacquet, Shimizu, Kwai Kul, Billy Harris, Sweeney, and Zhukaev up 99 spots, number 333. Yeah, uh, how great was it to see Kazo back after all those injuries? Yeah, fantastic. I I actually picked him as one of like potential 2022 breakthroughs. Uh, some players I really screwed over uh, because one of them was also Zayn Khan, who hasn't played a match in 2022 yet. <laughs> He's also had like a huge huge injury. Uh, Kazo started his season in March, uh, then had another three month break. So obviously it's not really my fault. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, as I as I mentioned before, I wasn't really afraid you were going to get a point here uh, because by the time we reached, I'm not even sure, maybe the quarters or something like this, it was pretty clear to me that uh, Kazo was in amazing form again. And well, yeah, the, the talent is there, of course. 15 aces, I think, in the final for his height, which is like six uh, six feet probably about uh, or something or whereabouts. Uh, thereabouts uh sorry and um well uh for his height it's incredible he plays this very fun attacking style which i definitely love watching uh the bison game is just is just really uh competent enough to hang at the challenger level and win titles there for sure uh i hope it's just a matter of of staying healthy and that he's going to stay healthy from now on and yeah, super, very, very nice to see him win his first challenger title. He actually only had one quarterfinal before, I think. So, uh, mm. kind of, you know, went for a few milestones there in in one week. Yeah, and our finalist was Omar Jassica uh, in his third challenger final, uh, his first one since January 2017 in Bernie. <laughs> Uh, his run was much more sort of uh, erratic uh, compared to Kazo. Kazo was mostly dominant, whereas Jessica uh, began with a straight set win over Gunes Varan, but had to come back from a set down against Marchenko, uh, lost a 6-1 set to, to Broom, um, and then also was a set down to the camps before the Brazilian had to retire three love in the third. Um, yeah, so I wasn't overly optimistic coming into the final, but of course it's a final and anything can happen. And he actually hung in there pretty well, uh, going, going, uh, like going sort of toe to toe with, with Kazo, especially in that first set. Uh, he was up 48 spots, number 319 in the rankings. Uh, yeah, impressive week from Jessica. Yeah, he was definitely pretty close to, to winning that opening set. Uh, he didn't have a set point, but I think he was the only one who had a break point on the way uh, to the tie break. A few amazing passes, which came in handy with Kazo rushing the net so much. Uh, definitely some nice control on the, on the lefty forehand as well. I'm actually, you know, I, I've warmed up to the idea that Jessica will probably do some damage at the challenger level again. He has one title from 2017, I believe, but and also another final. But uh, he wasn't. Ne- he was never really a super consistent form uh, force on the on that tour. Only got to 239 before his, uh, well, uh, before his uh, first uh, cocaine suspension. Then he only played one match, and the pandemic started. But it's clear that he has been in decent shape, you know, for a while. If you look at his uh, UTR results from 2021, like he he basically played most of the year and kept going, at least uh, challenging guys like Lee or I don't know James McCabe. So 
you know, players we now see also making their um, their first appearances on the challenger circuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as for our semifinalists, we had two uh, second-time semifinalists uh, here. Uh, one of them was your pick, Gabriel de Camps, who beat Fomin, Samare, and Gaio before getting injured and having to retire from the match to Jessica. Uh, but yeah, how do how do you think he looked this week? Uh, so okay, so the the Bangalore run must have been a quarterfinal. Never mind. Uh, anyhow, Gabriel Decams, yeah, I was I was satisfied with this peak. Honestly, a super easy draw. So it's kind of hard to say how he would have fared against Kazo. Uh, you know, the the potential scale it definitely is uh, tipped in in Kazo's favor. Uh, I have no clue how he would have uh, fared if he beats Jessica. If the, you know, if he didn't have to retire. Uh, I, don't know. I can't really be angry about this pick. Beckhams is probably going to be a low-level challenger player in a while, so that makes total sense. Yes, and we also had Babit Zhukaev making his way out of qualifying. Uh, you said that he had the potential to, to win this event, or that you were looking at him as a potential? Yeah. Uh, he beat uh, Nakagawa and McCabe in qualifying before beating Shimizu, Shimabukuro, and Vashero, 7-6 uh, in the third, losing to Kazo. Uh, but yeah, still an impressive week from Zhukaev. Yeah, a bit helped by Vashero because the, the Mon- Monegasque player or the guy representing Monaco uh, was serving for the match in the third. Uh, but yeah, Zhukayev had a nasty draw in Nontaburi the first time round, drawing Jessica in the opening round. Uh, but yeah, I, I totally looked at him as a potential winner, even though he was in the qualies. Uh, I think he's probably going to be a, a challenger player in like a year or two. Uh, it's it's pretty shocking to me because I never thought of him this way before Nur Sultan. But mm-hmm. yeah, the, the serve is huge. The, the shots have pretty nice shape on it. Uh, they, they're probably not really threatening enough to, to have him regularly contend for challengers. But uh, another nasty draw, by the way, against Evgeny Donsko in Ontaburi uh, Part 3, which we're going to get to. And one mm-hmm. thing I also wanted to mention is that he had an 18-month doping suspension, I think. So he's uh, between October 2019 and uh, March 2021, he was inactive. So some of that uh, coincided with the pandemic, but that was actually a doping suspension. So maybe not great that he is a doper, (laughs) but that's sort of uh, also like uh, an advantage in the sense that, you know, he missed 18 months. He probably would have been a bit further in his development, if not for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and in the doubles, Benjamin Locke and Shimizu beat Alcantara and Runkat to win the title there. Runkat really Shimizu. preparing for that Davis Cup <laughs> rubber, uh, rubber exponent tie, I guess. Yeah, you, you know, you, 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 you can run, but you can't hide from, from Runkat. So uh, <laughs> I hope you're excited for that matchup as, as I am for, I think, what is it, Slovakia, Romania, I believe. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, let's go into match of the week and upset of the week. Where would you like to start? Um, yeah, as usual, <laughs> I have no clue. Okay, upset, I know. 
Uh, I'm gonna go with Shellbike over Streaker. Uh, from, what I, from what I quickly gathered, I think the bookies preferred something. I think it was Vessels over Trujelity. Also, also oh. Fatih Cecchinato was at a similar uh, at a similar level. Yeah, Vessels Trujelity was the biggest one according to the bookies. And Fatih Cecchinato and Shellbike over Streaker are basically at the same level. Um, yeah, by, by the time we had reached the quarters, I just so that Trujelity wasn't playing that well. And that's why mm. I don't really consider it that big an upset. Uh, Fatih Cecchinato was pretty huge, but yeah, maybe maybe Cecchinato is not that reliable recently. So yeah, definitely Shelby over Stricker. I had some idea that he was probably going to be decent after you know seeing his ITF results. But uh, yeah, that was, that was certainly something I did not foresee. Uh, yeah, I, I, I went for the same. I hadn't heard of Shellbike uh, coming into this week and Streaker was my pick. So I feel like it was the obvious upset for me. Uh, what have you gone for for match of the week? Uh, I think I'm going to go for the best deciding tiebreak uh, that I saw this week, which was Fairness over Joke. No, <laughs> actually, this was, this was terrible. Uh, that's a bit of a joke. Uh, the, the last two points uh, ended with Kasper. Uh, well, the first forehand was, I'd say, in the bottom of the net, and the second didn't even get to it. Like, he was so tight that he couldn't even make a shot. Uh, it's really sad to watch at this point. I don't know how yeah. he gets out of, out from it. I'm just going to go with uh, Klein Zepieri. Very Same. high level, good tie breaks, yeah. Yeah, uh, very impressed with how focused Klein was uh, down, those, down those match oh, yeah. points. Um, and yeah, ov- overall, it, as, as, as I said, impressive uh, run this week that I feel like will really help him going forward uh, this season, just confidence wise. And we can go over to our previews. Uh, I've not actually looked at these draws, so it's going to be fun at picking this. Uh, you, you know, you, you give my live reactions as I as I discover it, and I'm hoping. <laughs> draw right now uh, the only 100 that we have this week and the top seed is Federico Coria playing Alexander Shevchenko Pwah, what a first round that is that'll be very exciting the winner gets to play Maxim Janvier with a special exempt or a qualifier then we have Marco Cecchinato playing a qualifier and then Giulio Zepieri or Joel Josef Schwarzler uh, who's a wild card uh, I haven't heard of before then we have Norbert Gombos playing Thiago Agustin Tirante, and then one of Koboli or Mager, an Italian derby in the first round. Uh, we also have an Austrian derby in the same section. Filip Misolic, the seventh seed, plays wildcard Lukas Midler. Winner facing potentially another Austrian, Sebastian Offner or Cedigmas Oštebe. Um, then we have Denis Novak playing a qualifier. Winner facing Felipe Melugini Alves or Zdenek Kolarz. Pedro Souza plays Francesco Passaro and then Elias Imer or Lukas Neumayer. Yuri Rodionov plays a qualifier and then Dimitar Kuzmanov or another qualifier. And Chusin Seng plays Josef Kovalik and then Gerald Melzer or a qualifier. As for those qualifiers, we have the likes of uh, Klein and Horansky, uh, both in this qualifying draw. Uh, we also have Ejupovic, um, Hassan is here, sells. Uh, but I feel like Klein is the only one with the actual potential to maybe win the event. But that's also very unlikely. Uh, in the doubles, uh-huh. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, no, go, go, go ahead. No, no. I was just wondering, did didn't Neil Oberleitner win a match in Tulln as well last year against uh, Moleker? Also, maybe the top seed in qualifying. 
something like this. And here oh, he went yeah. for ATEC, right? Yeah, and then and he didn't he do anything the for the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's sort of bizarre. Uh, in the doubles, we have Edler Midler, the top seeds. Uh, Yebavi and Pavlasek are, are the third seeds. Meligeni Alves and Tirante are teaming up. Uh, interesting. Uh, Cecchinato and Sepieri are here. Neukrist and Weisborn. Lukas Klein and Igor Zonai are playing together again in actually a very big first round here against Dustin Brown and Evan King. And the winner gets to play uh, uh, the, the Sabanov brothers or Koboli and Pasaro. So very interesting section on the bottom of this doubles draw. But back to the singles, who are you looking at as the as the favorite here for the title? Yeah, Oberleitner even qualified last year beating Villanueva as well and Molaker, as I said. And then he lost to Gaston, which looks from the score at least like a pretty decent match. And it was indeed the, the top seed uh, Molaker that he played there. Which, uh, yeah, when I saw that Oberleitner, uh, you know, uh, in the in the top spot in the draw, beating the first seed and Tool, something, something clicked. I'm not really sure anyone from the qualifying is capable of winning this. Maybe Klein, but uh, you know, physically it's gonna be a pretty tough ask. There's definitely some players capable of deep runs like Hasan, Horansky, or or, or Ayupovic. Um, this guy, Marco Andreic, he made a huge upset today against Juan Bautista Torres, and apparently he's coached by uh, Wolfgang, Wolfgang Team, uh, which uh, makes me want to watch him tomorrow against Klein. Uh, but you know, I've never I've never seen or heard of him before. Anyhow, uh, looking at the draw, there's a couple of first round matches uh, that I really don't want to pick from, and they're involving the main favorites and the top seeds like Korea Shevchenko. Korea won yeah. their only match this this year, and it was actually pretty easy for him. I feel like he could certainly win it, but he's got a pretty dif- difficult section as a whole with Janvier, with Sepieri or Cecchinato. Gombos Tirante, again, very tough first round. Uh, and Kovalik Tseng, of course. And I'm sort of thinking between Misolic, uh, how he's been doing recently. He played US Open qualities, right? And did pretty well there. Uh, but he hasn't been playing much. But I feel like it, it's definitely possible that Misolic wins this event. And the other guy I'm thinking of is Tseng, but I'm quite afraid that he is just going to lose to Kovalik. And, uh, well, I think I'm going to go with the slightly more interesting pick of Filip Misolic. All right, Misolic. That is certainly interesting. Uh, in in uh, the US Open qualifying, he did beat Dam in three sets and then lost to Mute in straights. Uh, but obviously, the the, the kids build final run makes you feel like he he, he can be a favorite here. Uh, yeah, Korea Shevchenko. I don't want to pick out of saying the the form has has not been great uh, since that first half of the season. First half of the season. And then, you know, Rodionov in the quarters, I'm not super enthusiastic about either. So I'm going to go for, <laughs> I'm going to go for Francesco Passaro. Uh, I really like the first two rounds here uh, for him in, in Pedro Souza. And then, you know, likely Elias Imer, who I feel like has been in very poor form recently um, since, you know, Gustad. Yeah, it's, it's, he's, he's been taking some bad losses. <laughs> But yeah, Basaro. I, I yeah, I I don't love having Denis Novak in that in that section because I feel like he could go and and have a deep run here. But 
um yeah let's let's see if you can do it again get to the final again yeah i just to clarify i only skipped passaro because he's going for back-to-back weeks and no no just doesn't seem to me like he's gonna be able to do that but obviously if if this was uh well if he if he didn't play last week i'd probably be looking at him as one of the potential contenders as well uh, yeah, and we go over to Sevilla, where we have a challenger 90 and another very interesting first rounder yes. with, with the top seed, Pedro Martinez, playing Kimer Kopejans with a special exam. Uh, you know, a, a very interesting first rounder. The winner gets to play Carlos Lopez Montagud or a qualifier. Alexander Muller will be looking for redemption after last week playing a qualifier. And then Justino or Diaz Acosta. Roberto Carbaez Baena is here as well, playing Milian Zekic and then Otto Vitanen or a qualifier. Also in a section is Federico Delbonis playing a qualifier and then uh, Sanchez Izquierdo or Moroni. Trunchetti plays Branko Cosano and Skatov or Brancaccio. Carlos Taberner plays a qualifier and then Jezianovic or Federico Ferreira Silva. Uh, Franco Agamenone plays Marojan and then Alvarez Varana or Bonadio. Zapata Miraes plays Serda Rusic and then Svrčina or a qualifier. Uh, looking at the qualifying, not much there. Uh, Inigo Cervantes is there in the final qualifying round, which is always exciting, playing Durasovic. Uh, we also have, I don't know, Dan- Daniel Merida is interesting. Uh, there's a great name, Benjamin Winter Lopez. Uh, I-, I love that as a, as a tennis player name. <laughs> uh, and he's playing Moreno de Alboran, who's probably the, the strongest out of the actual qualifying field. But we also have Gianu Roca Bataya in the doubles. We have uh, Martinez playing with Rodriguez, the top seeds. We also have the aforementioned Winter Lopez as a wild card with Baranko Cosano. Uh, Drzewiecki and Niklas Salminen play Durasovic and Vitanen in a you know sort of Finnish derby uh, in the first round. Uh, Buruchaga and Diaz Acosta are here. Buruchaga, I guess, only playing doubles, which is a little bit weird. And, and unless he lost in qualifying and I didn't notice it. Yeah, oh, no, he lost to Bogdan Bobrov, yeah. My bad, yeah. I, I didn't notice his name in the in the qualifying. Um, yeah, uh, Cervantes and Roca Bataya are also here. Not an overly exciting uh, doubles draw, but back to the singles, there's certainly some interesting parts of it. Who are you looking at as the titleist? Yeah, I, I'd totally second that from the qualifiers. Moreno Dalboran and maybe potentially Merida who's now as Merida, not Merida Aguilar. I, I never noticed that before. Uh, these are probably the ones who could actually get on a, on some sort of a run, although the draw is probably too strong for this. I wonder if Delbonis will, you know, if that US Open run will help him much. Uh, by the way, this is also probably the only event all year on yellow clay. Uh, I don't think it makes it for great uh, TV viewing or <laughs> stream viewing, yeah. or more yeah. uh, more like in this case. Uh, I heard that live it's more pleasant. Um, but, well, Martinez Copayans don't really want to get there, and Martinez is not in great form either. Carbaez Baena has also had a few weirder results recently. I mean, there's a couple of decent options, like Tabernet is in pretty dire form. I honestly sort of want to go for Maroshan, but whether he's going to, you know, be able to pick up from his Banyaluka run. I know he lost to Kopejans uh, in Toulouse, but well, uh, he was well, he he was probably a bit gassed there in the in the third set. So I think I have to go with Zapata Miralesh, but 
my confidence in level in this pick is sort of uh, yeah. This Joe just feels very very even. He did play very well against uh, Tommy Paul at the U.S. Open, but you know, mm-hmm. um, it was just his only match since since Matt Bush, and yeah, he he could win this. That's that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, for me, it basically comes down to Zapata Miraes and Carabaez Baena, with Carabaez Baena being, being the player that I'm less confident in, but I feel like he has a, a, like a solidly strong, like like better draw than Zapata Miraes, who, you know, you, you have Marojan there, you have Akamenone there. I'm, I, I, I don't love it as much. And since you pick Zapata Miraes, I'm going to go with Carabaez Baena here. And yeah, in the in the top half, hopefully he makes it out of there. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we, this time we get any points. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I could very easily see this being the, the final. And we go to Cassis for a challenger 80. And this trend of uh, top seeds playing uh, yeah. incredible first rounds is actually maintained. <laughs> Once again, yeah, we, we have Konstant Stien playing Hamad Mejidovic uh, in that first round. So that's going to be one to watch for sure. Uh, then we have uh, the, the, the winner plays Escoffier or Guillemat uh, Weyenburg. Uh, Peniston plays Katzper Juk, winner playing Francesco Maestrelli or a qualifier. Then we also have Hugo Granier playing with qualifier, and then Locoli or Clark. Uchida plays Clement Schidech, and then Evan Fernes or a qualifier. Jean Borpiroche plays a qualifier, and then Puccino de, de Almeida or another qualifier. Uh, Mahaj plays Het, and then Moria or a qualifier. Struch plays Mansuri, which, which is an interesting first round, uh, when they're facing Goyo or Celik like. And Duckworth plays Bellier, and then Gabriel De Bru, who's an interesting wild card here, or another qualifier. We're, we're going to have, I, I didn't count them, but we're going to have some lucky losers uh, in this in this draw. But let's look at the qualifying. Uh, Olivetti Couple is... Couple doubts, by the way, because I only see six spots. Um, in this draw, I, I mean, they, they say qualifier slash lucky uh-huh. loser. Okay, never mind. I, I, I haven't counted them. Um, but yeah, in the in the qualifying draw, we have uh, Olivetti. He beat Vatucin and now plays Gengel for a spot in the main draw. Uh, Rosso is here as well. Um, Tomas Bellucci in the final qualifying round. Kenidas Heper as well, uh, ready to to mix it up. So that's going to be an interesting final qualifying round. And the, I, I don't have the doubles draw for some reason. I don't know if they haven't. <laughs> done it yet or something but it's not displaying i, I have it uh, i guess i'll just talk about it arneodo and olivetti are the top seeds and then there's also of course bambri and Mineni, who will be changing surfaces but have been absolutely insane this this year cordena plays with sitak this is a pretty interesting pairing mm-hmm. as well and uh jason taylor brandon walking i just watched them at a 25k in poznan uh, i think they're unbeaten as a pair i think they're eight and zero or something but only only 25k of course and there's also pell and valkov who have been doing pretty well in recent weeks also a semi-final in uh you know last time uh and when it comes to picking anything yeah albano olivetti want to match in singles qualifying again uh, i really want to watch him <laughs> Uh, I have no clue if uh, if you know if he can actually get on the run or not. He had a very good chance to beat beat Riedi, and he uh, did, did you know in Mallorca just now. Uh, he was three zero up in the third with two breaks. Olivetti, 
with the serve he has, he really shouldn't be wasting this. But yeah. well, uh, <laughs> wow. Pelivo also had a terrible loss here to Arjun Kade. That that's uh, that really shouldn't be happening to him at this point after he won that 25k in in UK. Um, probably not not anyone we're looking at in terms of you know the winners from the qualifying. I checked, and the guy who is out is Clement Tabo- Tabour. So that's also not something that really changes our <laughs> our conceptions in terms of picking uh, winners. What I want to go for here, I don't know. Uh, Struf is an option, but I was a bit scared of that loss uh, to uh, da- um, to whom uh, to Quaco. And I don't really like the draw against Goyo or Czelik Bilek in second round. That really smells like trouble. But yeah, Duckworth as well. Or De Brew, by the way. De Brew is probably winning around here and maybe beating the beating Barriero Duckworth. That's probably possible. He beat Goncalo Oliveira last week. Uh, he lost to Jerome Kim, I think, in, in a quarterfinal of a 25k in Portugal. So very solid week for the 16 or maybe now 17 year old i can't remember if he if he you know if he had his birthday already or not uh so i don't really like the bottom half there's a lot of trouble there uh Mahach is an option of course he played very well at the us open and he's one of the guys whom i whom i am considering i am also considering ugo grenier because he has the well the first two rounds shouldn't really be an issue for him and honestly the first three rounds shouldn't be an issue for him if he if he keeps playing as he's been so yeah i guess i'm just gonna go with ugo grenier but i think mahach is a very serious pick as well all right so grenier for you grenier yeah certainly somebody considered i considered uh Lestien as well uh but i feel like there are other picks with uh, a, a less daunting uh opening round uh and i'm gonna go with tomas mahach here uh, Hertz hasn't really sort of followed up that run that he had in, in Spain, in, in Segovia, uh, losing to Topo and losing to Travaglia at the US Open. Uh, and outside of that, I quite like the section until, you know, you, you have Piroz in the quarters. Um, that fourth section has has a lot of interesting players that I think could win the tournament. Um, but I, yeah, no, no, not picking anybody out of there. So Tomas Mahach for me. Right. Yeah, they definitely seem like the two, well, maybe not the two strongest players in the draw because you've got Destien, you've got Struth, that's very debatable. But, you know, when you when you look at the draws and their playing strength, then they, they, they're definitely the two prime picks in there. Yes, and we finish with Nontaburi. Uh, the third part, the the trilogy, uh, we reshuffled the draw one last time, and this is what we came up with. Uh, we have the top seed, Watanuki, playing Yun Song Chung, uh, and then playing David Zhukaev or Yevgeny Donskoy. So an interesting opener there. Uh, Nikola Kuhn plays a qualifier, and then Charles Broom or Shima Bukuro. Billy Harris plays Benjamin Locke and then James McCabe or a qualifier. Uh, Bu Yun Chaokete plays a qualifier and then Ishai Oliel or, or uh, Alibek Kachmazov. Unisvaran plays Chare Onfon uh, and then Isaro or Kazo. Patayo plays Gayo. Nam Huang Li plays Watanukal. Uh, Dane Sweeney, who's actually been, I think, quietly impressive uh, these past two weeks, plays Denis Istomin and then Omar Jasika or a qualifier. And Valentin Vachero plays Akira Santilan or one of the two qualifiers. In qualifying, we have uh, guys like Jacquet, 
Shimizu Sekulic uh, could be an interesting one if he makes it through. Uh, Gage Brammer, Dane Kelly. Yeah, not much more than that. In the doubles, we have uh, the Locke brothers, Benjamin and Courtney, actually teaming up for this one. Uh, after Locke, uh, after Benjamin won last week with uh, Shimizu. We have Alcantara and Runcat once again, playing actually Kazo and Jacquet in this first round. Jessica and McCabe play Santilan and Yun Chaokete, which is an interesting first rounder. Matsu and Wesogi are the third seeds. Uh, and that's about it, what I want to talk about in this draw. Back to the main draw. Yeah, who are you looking at for the title here? Yeah, I really like the draw for two guys in the third quarter. And it's Kazo and Nam Hwang, uh, Le Hwang Nam. Or Nam Hwang Le, who, you know, the Asian names can be can be read two ways, I guess. Um, I don't like the fact that Kazo is playing doubles here, especially as he also played seven matches in Nontaburi last week. <laughs> But the draw is great. Like he he gets a tie wild card. That's not gonna be a big issue. And then he plays Gunesvaran or Chao Ren Hon. I mean, he plays Prashnish Gunesvaran. Let's be honest. And and he's probably gonna do that on, on like first day. So he gets quite a lot of time. But I think Nam Hoangle is a very very serious pick as well. Sweeney could be an option, but I don't like the second round against Jessica Vashro. <laughs> Certainly, he should get some rest as well, uh, for you know, because he because he lost to Zhukayev, but he's playing Santian. I don't want to get into this either. Um, I hope that Buyon Chaoketa will finally finish a match healthy. Uh, but before before I see it with my own eyes, I'm not gonna pick him again because I think I did in the in the first week. Uh, Kuhn has been quite disappointing. I honestly can't even tell you what Kuhn has been doing here. Like he's been so yeah, yeah he's been do- he's been such a non-factor. Oh, he he hasn't played in the second event, which is quite interesting. He only played in the first one, beating Locke and losing to Vashro. Then, well, actually, that's not bad. So maybe maybe he's also a contender. But he's in a tough section, I think. Zhukayev, Donskoy, Vatanuki, they're, they're all capable as well. So yeah, I'm going to go for Artur Kazo, and I will also say that hopefully this will be you know in terms of trilogies this this is going to be more like the good the bad and the ugly than grandfather part three or uh, yeah godfather of course what did i say grandfather yeah i'm, I'm thinking of i'm thinking of uh my grandpa for some reason but obviously i meant godfather part three more lord of the rings return of yeah the king. return of the king or right. revenge of the sith compared to the the hobbit whatever the third one was called oh i haven't watched <laughs> a single hobbit movie so <laughs> that's that's uh how it should be um but yeah i'm, I'm actually a bit sad uh, you know surprised that you picked Kazal here because i assumed that you were going to pick nam huang ali uh from the lead up so now i'm a little bit scrambled as opposed to you know, should should I, should I stick with my original pick or go with Lee? Now that he's sort of free and I, and be <laughs> just mine, but I'm gonna pull the trigger on Baby Djukayev. It's a tough section, but he has the talent. He has the game. Donskoy obviously has a lot of experience, but frankly, uh, you know, hasn't really shown much. <laughs> Uh, here beat Gunishvaram, beat Locke, lost to Gray, lost to Sweeney. So Zhukayev on current form, I feel like could go all the way here. Wow, that, that's ballsy, and I didn't expect it. Uh, certainly feels like you know I, I'm probably the only baby Zhukayev fan in the world. So 
<laughs> it certainly feels like something I would do. And yeah, I, I've only been a baby Zhukaev fan for like a month. So I'm also not, not I mean, I'm that. I haven't been with him for, for a long, uh, for a long time. So yeah, uh, quite you surprised me there. That's for sure. It's good that you still have some, you know, some unpredictability in you. I was totally expecting you to go with uh, Liho Agnam after I went with Kaso. Uh, it's, right now, I kind of even want the Vietnamese to win, you know, so that it's like a moral <laughs> victory uh, for me. Uh, but anyhow, yes, thank you for listening. We've talked about a lot of stuff this week. Four challengers, retirements, US Open draft pick, US Open qualifiers, who did well, who did not. Uh, next week, we're going to be back with uh, the review of four challenger events. By the way, each, uh, like every, every, is, uh, every event is of a different category, which happens very rarely. Uh, we've got the 100 in Tun, 90 in Seville, 80 in Cassis, and 50 in non taburi so well uh, see you there see you in a week bye another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.